in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 636 now of the Ron and Don Show. And once again, we are live from the Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about some economic data, which doesn't sound that interesting. We're going to try to make it interesting. I think we will. Also, we're going to talk, and I know Ron has pretty strong feelings about this, about a man that has an emotional support what? No, he has a couple of emotional support chickens, and the court has decided whether or not he can keep these emotional support chickens. Before we get to that, though, let's remind you that the Les Schwab food drive to fight out hunger, Ron, it is happening right now. It's called uh, Les Schwab's Drive Out Hunger. It's brought to you by Aramark, Les Schwab, the sponsors of the show, and also our good friends at Food Lifeline. Yeah, so if you are in a fortunate position where you can uh, buy a little extra uh, at the grocery store, they would love it if you get non-perishable food items. Maybe just buy an extra bag. It could be canned goods, frozen goods, something like that. You can take it uh, into your Les Schwab. You don't even have to get out of your car. Uh, they'll run out to the car, give it to you. You can also donate money. If you're real busy, you can just pull into the parking lot, uh, give them a $10 bill, and they team up with Aramark to, to make that money really stretch. Or you can go to leschwab.com slash Ron and Don and uh, do, do it online. Yeah. Hey, this is this is kind of interesting. We're going to talk about technology, and also we're going to talk about the war that's happening right now in Ukraine with Russia, and also a second war that could be a proxy war in Israel, as it seems like the Biden administration has decided uh, to send over. And I don't know if these are offensive weapons, defensive weapons. You have to remember the war in Ukraine. Initially, it was to, to create defense as they were being tackled by Russia or attacked by Russia. And then Ukraine said, hey, we, we, we can't take any of this territory back. We have no chance at even winning this war. And don't forget, Russia sent in a lot of old battle tanks. They expected Ukraine to just kind of fold uh, in the first 48 hours, kind of like our first war in Iraq. When we went in there, we sent in cash cars, stars, tanks, everything, helicopters. And what was it? In 48 hours, we'd won the battle and it was on to Baghdad. That's what Russia felt like was going to happen. And that's why they didn't send in the best of the best. Since then, they've kind of changed things, different tactics, sending in better equipment, creating better equipment. Well, on the other side, what's really interesting is the United States has been sending a lot of offensive equipment over now. And one of the reasons, for instance, our M1A1 tank has not made it to the battlefield or didn't make it to the battlefield until last month is because a lot of the technology that we have on the newer platform of the M1A1 they had to go ahead and strip that technology off because the fear is, and this is going to happen when M1A1 goes down and Russia's control of that territory, they're going to get that tank. 
They're going to be able to take that tank apart, and then they're going to be able to create a tank uh, on the basis of our tank. They're going to steal some of that technology, and then they're going to try to uh, create a tank on the basis of our technology that's better than our tank. And so this is what's interesting to me. This has really become a war of the drones. Uh, The United States and a lot of tech companies right now are creating a lot of drones, and we are sending those to the battlefield in Ukraine. And it's one of the reasons why the Ukrainians have been able to attack now inside of Russia. And when it comes to Russia, China, for instance, they've been creating a lot of drones as well, and they are sending those drones to Russia. And they're also sending out uh, folks that are involved in tech, to decide to 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 decide uh, how can we make a better drone, or in this case for us, how can we make a better tank? So that's kind of the interesting thing about countries sometimes fighting a proxy war, where it's not our boots on the ground, but it is our technology, because it gives you the opportunity to move forward in tech. If it wasn't for the wars that we fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, we wouldn't have the helicopters that we have today. We certainly wouldn't have the Buffaloes. The Buffaloes have replaced the Hummer. And even when you look at the modern day Hummer, give that a Google, because the IEDs that they're building in Iraq and Afghanistan, we, we, we sent over basically uh, tents with wheels on them called the Hummer because it was the desert. And we didn't understand when we were building that, that the folks in Iraq and Afghanistan would go to Ireland and the People's Republic of Ireland and say, hey, could you teach us how to build really inexpensive IEDs that can blow up Hummers and we can do that with a phone call or we can do that with a garage door opener? And that's what happened. And now in Israel, I think we're going to see some of the same things because Hamas, there's only 30,000 soldiers in Hamas. And yet you saw what a thousand other soldiers could do when they crossed the battle line. I think we're going to see a lot more technology, a lot more drones. And that's going to be coming from places like Iran. Ron, this, this is kind of interesting. There are a lot of U.S. tech companies that are very interested in what's happening on battlefields across the globe, right? I, I think for me, it's uh, different than uh, I don't disagree with what you said, but I think the real magic is going to happen with all the sensors. And so with the what, what, what is happening right now is companies are looking for the data feeds of not just the drones, but th- there are sensors and cameras and GPS capabilities on individual soldiers now. And so if the Marines go in uh, to a situation like Israel or a situation, even the, the soldiers of the Ukraine, they are outfitted with technology that has never been around. So each soldier can be on GPS. Each soldier could have a helmet cam. Each soldier could have a data stream going back to central command uh, of knowing those things. If an explosion goes off, you could triangulate with the microphones on all these different soldiers of where that explosion happened, how far away it was. You combine that. So they're feeding these data streams from individual soldiers, from drones, from equipment, from uh, ordinances, from smart bombs, all of this stuff, satellite imagery. They're feeding it into AI now into algorithms and they're going for the next level insights. So it's, it's, it's similar. The way I think about it, it'd be similar to like you and I are talking about uh, taking a camping trip. You went online and you searched for, 
uh, uh, tense. Then you happen to go into an REI and the GPS on your phone knew you were in an REI. And so, or maybe you use the REI app. And so now the, the AI in social media is going, Oh, Don's interested in camping. I'm going to start serving him ads about water bottles and about hiking boots and about outdoor gear and about apparel. And so you might think, Oh, Facebook's spying on me. No, it's not. It's using information that you've said is okay. Even if you didn't mean to, you've opted in to it's, it's using GPS data. It's using your web search history. It's using these things to tailor something in that case to sell you something in this war. We might see, hey, when something happens that heretofore we thought was unrelated, it could be something like, um, boy, all of these street vendors shut down earlier than they normally did. And maybe we never noticed that before. But this AI is putting this together. When traffic starts to happen on these roads at this time, then a bomb went off over here. Um, we're getting to that level where this data being fed through AI is going to make connections that the human mind cannot make. It could go, did you know when A happens, B is more likely to happen? Or when this attack happened over here, this thing was going on over there. And so a general could take this information and go, when we see these four things line up, we're not going to bomb there. We're going to bomb over here. And we're going to hit, we think that the control center is going to be over there. And so in these soldiers, if I see X, Y, and Z, I'm pulling my shoulders out of that neighborhood. Or I'm uh, assaulting, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like yep. things that we've never been able to do because you have real-time GPS and video data feeding into AI. And, and something like Elon Musk's AI, uh, X.AI is doing, they have so much video coming in from vehicles, from Tesla cars, billions of frames of video a day. Uh, and they can tell, okay, filter out for only the vehicles that got into a crash today. And they can tell the AI, what did they do wrong? Mm. What happened on just the crashes? Okay, what happened on these cars that were on interstates and didn't crash? And so you can start to sift through these video frames. Imagine doing that in war. Give me all the video footage of all the soldiers and all the drones and all the satellites when we lost uh, uh, American lives. I just want the video where we had casualties. Okay, now give me the video where we didn't have casualties. AI, compare those. Compare what happened between these two sets of data and ultimately it's going to save American lives. And the flip side of that is it's going to be more deadly for the enemies of America. And that goes for every people that, that could be the same for Russia, same for Ukraine, same for Hamas. I don't think Hamas has this type of technology, but they could through Iran. Iran might have, or China. So you might get a data set from Hamas given to Iran. Iran gives it to a Chinese AI firm uh, because of allies or, or North Korea, something like that. And that data could come back to make Hamas deadlier. Yeah. So th we're getting to the point where um, this is going to be very interesting because I think you're going to start to see robotic soldiers go in that are chock full of sensors where the human beings are going to be 200 miles back. Yeah, and when you look at what's happening in Israel now, and I know, I know people have lots of different feelings about this, but the facts are there's 360,000 soldiers that have been called up, Israeli soldiers. By the time you're 18, uh, everyone 
enlist in the army there. So everyone's trained and everyone's trained for this. And, and you have to remember in the United States, a lot of times when we're fighting war, that's, that's, that's why 9-11 was so shocking or Pearl Harbor, because war came to our shores. But we don't see that happen a lot. If you look at Israel, you know, they're surrounded by the West Bank on one side, Gaza on the other. And there are just about 10 million people that live in, live in Israel. The 360,000 that they're calling back, they're calling back people. Israeli soldiers are coming back from around the world that live in places like New York and Seattle, Washington. They're getting on planes and they're traveling back. And then you ask yourself, uh, these soldiers that have been trained since they were 18 and, and you have to respond from, I think, between 18 and 40, they, they have many of their weapons are American weapons. Uh, whether it be their helicopters or, or, or planes, drones, even, even what you see them wear on the battlefield. And then you look at Hamas. They don't really have any of that. But what they do have is what we saw in Vietnam. We were going to go over to Vietnam and put a boot in someone's ass, right? As Toby Keith likes to sing, we thought that we'd do the same thing in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, after 9-11. And what happens, though, when people go into caves and they go underground, and with Hamas having those 300 miles of tunnels, and then they were able to even tunnel into parts of Israel, that Israel has an incredible intelligence agency, and so does the United States, we didn't know about, like, like, we didn't know about that. So there's a lot of people out there that say we got to embrace Netanyahu and let, let's roll into Hamas and, and kick some you-know-what. And then there's other people that feel like, hey, we, we, we can't embrace him. He, he failed. We, 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 we need another leader here. So we'll see what happens in the coming days. But a lot of the weaponry that you are going to see on the battlefield initially is, is from the United States on the Israeli side. And then it'll be interesting on the Hamas side as they're down in these tunnels. Uh, they have a lot of crude weapons. There's, there, there are not, uh, there's not as many of them, but then they also have these hostages that I imagine are, are down in the tunnels with them as well. And, and, and it's a really, you know, this, this is why the president just flew over there. Cause if you go in there and, and, and we know this, Colin Powell said this to President Bush when we first went into Iraq, he said, don't for, and I remember reading Colin Powell's book about this. It was very important to him because he was a Vietnam soldier. Like he was out in the battle, the full battle rattle and all that. He's a highly decorated soldier. And he said, don't forget if you break it, then you're going to have to fix it. And I think we will see a similar thing if you blow apart that city. I still don't think you'll get to everyone. They're underground, as we saw the Viet Cong in Vietnam. And if we break it in a humanitarian fashion, that's why the UN is rushing to get there right now, because we're going to have to fix it, because lots of human suffering on both sides. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, one of the things Ron and I really like about Le Schwab is they are always doing the right thing. You've heard us say before, hey, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. It's true. And the thing I love is they really get involved in the micro communities around here. Because, you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Five Fremont, what are we? We're just, it's a really cool area. 
where you find 300 cities and towns that are just kind of connected with bridges, water, and mountains. But let's not forget what's happening in Maple Valley for kids. This is pretty cool, Ron. Yeah, on July 22nd, the Valley Girls and Guys at Les Schwab will be having their fifth annual Be the Hope Walk at Summit Park in Maple Valley. It benefits the Valley Girls and Guys Foundation and is uh, dedicated to providing assistance to local families who are impacted by any type of cancer diagnosis. How cool is that? So you can participate and register. It's a 1.8 mile walk. It's 35 bucks. You can go to valleygirlsandguys.org. That's valleygirlsandguys.org. All right. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. All right. Listen up, Everett in Whidbey Island and our friends over on Bainbridge and, of course, down in the South Sound and over to Wenatchee. What's up, University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side and, of course, all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, Everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you trust us with a capital T, and we have a connection from all our years of doing Trustor Radio. But Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job, be phenomenal, and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all starts with the Ron and Don sit-down. It's a 30 to 45-minute Zoom call, free of charge, no obligation. We'll meet you, see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can set it up on the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I'm just going to, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, and we're going to talk more about this uh, in our Friday episode uh, about some of the economic data that's coming out. What does that mean for real estate? Should I buy a house? Should I, should I step down? Should I try to buy something, hold it? Should I flip it? Uh, there's a lot of flippers right now that are out of the business because uh, you have to pay 40% tax, and then if you have to get a loan and all the points at the bank and everything else. So if you don't have the ability... If you, if you don't have some of that money yourself or investors that can loan you hard money, uh, it can be a very difficult time for flippers and those involved in trying to make money in the short term on real estate. Uh, for long-term investors like me that are called buy and hold, it's kind of the same. You're just, you're buying and you're holding a piece of real estate and you try to, to, to hold it through the ups and downs of the economy. So, so here we are. It's the fall of 2023. We have a, incumbent president that hasn't really addressed the economy much other than saying, hey, we're adding jobs. This is Biden economics. We're slowing down inflation. But what he hasn't addressed are the interest rates that went up again today. They're around eight, eight and a half percent at the time that we're recording this. Now you have a former president who is beginning to say at his rallies, and he says a lot of stuff at his rallies, that that when he becomes president again, the first thing that he's going to do is do what he did during the pandemic, and he's going to drive interest rates back down on one phone call. Ron, can a president do that? Can a president pick up the phone and say, hey, I want interest rates at 2.8% and hang up the phone? I don't believe that he can. Uh, like theoretically, um, there's supposed to be separation of the executive branch right. to the other branches. 
he, of course, uh, the guy you're naming, who theoretically could be in jail by then because he has a trial coming up in in May uh, for criminal charges. But I I don't think that could happen. But with the pandemic, uh, he definitely put pressure on um, the Fed to keep it artificially low. I, I... the Federal Reserve Chairman, I believe, is a political appointee. It is not someone that is elected. So the, a president could fire that person or demand their resignation, install a sycophant Fed chairman who could then slash it. I, I don't think the markets would take too kindly to that, but uh, I... I, I if it was any other human being, I would say just flat out no. But I've, I've learned to not <laughs> to not say never is never. Yeah. The, the, the economic data is is really interesting, and I and I always like to give this caveat to people when we talk about national economic trend, macroeconomics, the economics of a country or how our country is interacting with the world, and you're talking about trillions of dollars and world economies and all of that stuff. It is interesting and it obviously impacts every one of our lives. Having said that, when it comes down to individual home budgets, individual plans to buy a car or not buy a car, buy a house or not buy a house. Um, it, it, this is why I like to do a run and on sit down because everything depends Everything depends. So, for instance, we just had a house in Burley where a a person had been shopping for almost a year looking for a house like this, and that person has the cash. Um, And so... Two people had the cash. They don't care what the interest rate is. Yeah. Their their focus was buying the the house that they wanted to buy. Yeah. And so what does it matter to that person what Jerome Powell did. Well, maybe it affects their 401k. Maybe they have a lot of stock. I don't know what their entire financial picture is looking like. What I'm saying is, is like, yes, it matters, but no, it doesn't matter. So if you're like, I, I like to think, what would it be like if I was a renter right now? Thankfully, I, I, I own a place to live. All right. So I'm very grateful for that. But if I was a renter right now, I would be doing everything in my power to become an owner. Because I, and regardless of what the interest rate was, if I needed to get a partner, if I needed to ask a family member uh, to jump in and be an investor with me, if I needed to commute longer, um, I got a question like this on my socials a while back. Uh, when I first got back to Washington and was rebuilding my life after Katrina, I lived, the first place I bought was in Auburn. And I commuted every day. I spent so much time in my car driving back and forth uh, from to Auburn. To Auburn, Seattle. Alabama. That is Auburn, a long, Alabama. He was in, that's a long way to go to work. And so <laughs> my point is, though, why did I do that? Because that's where I could afford. Right. I didn't want to be a renter. Um, and so for where I was at at that time, we're going back, what would that be, 15 years ago now maybe, something like that? I could afford to be in Auburn. Did I want to live in Auburn? 18 years ago. Not really. Yeah. Um, and as soon as I was able to, uh, uh, I improved that house, forced appreciation, as you called, redid the kitchen, redid the floors, repainted, installed new light fixtures, like did some upgrades in the basement, like upgrades in the yard. I built a new fence. Like I improved the property while I lived there, made money when I sold it, but I was like, I have to live somewhere anyway. So for me, it, I don't even remember what interest rates were then. Yeah. Didn't matter. 
what mattered was that I either had to choose to be a renter or an owner. And so I did what it took to become an owner. For me, that meant commuting. Um, now, 18 years later, I'm able to live in Seattle. Cause, and if I, but if I wouldn't have had that house in Auburn, I might not be able to do that because the house in Auburn the, where I had to drive three, three and a half hours a day, if you factored in both trips, um, gave me equity. Gave put cash in my pocket. So the next time when I bought something in Maple Valley, it was a more expensive property. And then I was able to get out of that. And it was your launching pad. Yeah. And so my point here is, is the interest rate is irrelevant to that strategy. Maybe you have a smaller house. Maybe your commute is a little bit longer. But if your goal is, I would like to be an owner, capture all of the benefits of ownership, the equity, the tax write-offs, everything you always say. Uh, and then this is my game plan for my family and myself so that future me is in a place. Future me is now. Yep. I now am, live in a paid-off place. It didn't happen by accident. I didn't accidentally wake up one day and go, oh, my, my condo's paid off. That's a plan that's been 20 years in the making. Um, and I, again, I'm great, very grateful for it, and I don't take it for granted. But it was not accidental. You, yeah. You've known me my almost entire life. I've been planning this in incremental stages for decades. And now I get to enjoy the fruit of that. But I had to start somewhere. And everybody, in my opinion, starts somewhere, regardless of what this macroeconomic data does. Now, if the macroeconomic data, you got downsized with that, that's a different story, all right? Different story if you got downsized or if you need uh, assistance with food or utilities, those sort of things. I'm not talking to that group of people. I'm talking to people, you have a good job, you have uh, your liquid every single month, uh, you make really decent decisions with your life, you should be an owner, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. This is what we told people when interest rates went from like 2.8, they got to, they were in the fours and fives. A lot of buyers went right to the sidelines at fours and fives. We told you then that's when you buy. And, and the, and the you're, people, you're crazy, Ron and Don. Yeah. And the people that bought at four and five are now locked in at four and five and, and they don't have to worry about eight and a half. Let, let me read some of these headlines to you. Because there's another opportunity right now that you need to listen to. These are the headlines. This came out this week. Bank of America says consumers have been pushed to the brink of pain, but experts are now saying, because what the Bank of America does is they, they, they can look at people's bank accounts. They look at the money that they had in during COVID. They look at the money that where people are using credit cards, where they're using cash advances, Spending where they're patterns, where they're using HELOCs, uh, where they're just using their ATM card. And, and they can see that consumers have slowed down. It hasn't showed up in the economic data as much. But, but they've seen a tremendous slowdown, and we're going to see that in the next quarter and into 2024. We're going to see that. Uh, along with that, experts are saying, here's another headline, that a recession is no longer imminent. In fact, they don't think a recession is going to happen. I keep saying if we're going to have a recession, let's have it and get it over with. It looks like that's not going to happen, though. And the reason it's not going to happen is because the job market is still very, very good. And, and high-paying jobs is actually still very, very good. And you see the president uh, taking credit for that. But get this, 65% of Americans are still living paycheck to paycheck, 
One of the reasons they're doing that is because they have gone out and they have bought things that don't appreciate. They have bought things that aren't assets. They have bought things that depreciate, right? The boat on the side of the house, the travel trailer that's been sitting there when everybody wanted to live the van life. Hey, living the van life is very expensive. Those vans, you may have financed that over eight, 10 years. That van is $120,000, $150,000 out of the box. And then on top of that, with all the interest, you just bought a van for over $200,000. That's the van life. That is not an asset, right? That is depreciating. That's depreciating. If you step in and buy a piece of real estate now, whether it's with us or somebody else, you are buying an asset that is going to continue to to appreciate. Every piece of real estate that I bought in the last 10 to 13 years has gone up at least a million dollars in value, at least a million dollars in value. And some have gone up even more. And when I bought those again, I cannot tell you what the interest rate was, but I can tell you that I've refinanced all those pieces of real estate when it was time to refinance. The same thing is going to happen now. So if we're waiting for a crash and you're waiting for a recession and you're waiting for people that can't pay their mortgages and all of a sudden, like we saw in 2008, 9 and 10, all these homes came on the market and they sat, I'm sitting on a home that today just by itself would be worth $1.7 million. It's worth more because I've done some work. The house initially was on the market for $485,000, and it sat It sat for six months, right? And so I was able to make a really great deal on, on this particular house, and I think back then the, the interest rate was somewhere in, in, in the 4%. So here's the opportunity. The opportunity is this. Because there's not going to be a recession, Those other homes aren't coming to market. There are some buyers that have stood on the sideline, but there's enough buyers out there right now, I tell you what, to sell your house. So sellers are still doing well, but it's not 92 people through at an open house. When the interest rates come back, and I say it's going to be next summer or right before the election, because Biden can't get elected without the interest rates coming down. And Ron is right. Those things aren't supposed to be connected, but they are connected. I can guarantee that. And as interest rates are coming down, back down to where we told you to buy at four and a half and five, that's where they're going to settle and stay. It'll be a feeding frenzy. And then you're going to see 92 people at the open house again. Now is the opportunity. The holidays are the opportunity. As we head into the holidays of 2023, in the winter, the first initial month of 2024, if you're a buyer, that's when you jump in and buy. You love that house, the piece of property, even commercial. You date that rate, and then you refinance six to 12 months later. There's a lot of lenders out there that will lend money now, and they'll say, hey, if you refinance within the next two years, We'll do that for free. So reach out to Mitch Not Loans. You've heard them on this podcast. They have a three, two, one buy down program. They have a great investor program and they have a program that's just for Ron and Don listeners where in your first year, you could be paying in the fives. Okay. So reach out to him at Mitch.loans.com. And when you need us, what's that? Just Mitch.loans. Mitch.loans. And when you need us, just reach out at ronanddonsitdown.com. We will see you on the other side.
Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, it's interesting, as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well, there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023, and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy? Well, now's a great time to buy, and that's because rates are going to drop, and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now, there's a huge stagnant hole in the market, and that's that 700k to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a two and a half to three and a half percent rate, and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a six, six and a half percent rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop and all those people who've wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker. And we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off and we're going to see a, a bit of a frenzy here. All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program. Yeah, we've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge, free of the lender fees. Um, and we'll take care of those for you. So great deal. All right. Check him out online at Mitch.loans. It's not a dot com. It's Mitch.loans. Are you guys welcome back to the Ron and Don show? I think it's really interesting whenever I reach in uh, or walk into stores that have always been really friendly uh, to animals, even Trader Joe's. I see dogs in there all the time. I I think they're smart. I've seen Bartels do this. Uh, They have a sign out now that says that support animals are welcome. But those are the only dogs or animals, for instance, that are... Support or service? Service, service. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Service animals are welcome. And and then basically, in a really nice way, they they tell you that if you're just on a dog walk and you're walking into our store, we don't want you to do that. At the same time, if you walk into the store and you're with a dog, which I've seen people do, I haven't seen anyone get carded and say, show me your papers. Uh, I... I do have to say that humans out there drive me a little crazy when they treat their animal like a human. And I know they're part of your family and, and, and Charlie's in here in his little bed right now and he's part of our family too. But I, but I, but I know if I were to walk into like a Trader Joe's as well behaved as he is, Charlie, for instance, is allowed to jump up on you. We, we allow him to jump up. The reason we do that is because when a dog presents their paws, they're saying hello. And so he's allowed to jump up. And like, for instance, we had the guys of Les Schwab come to my door today because we're getting ready for to fight hunger. So Corey was here. And before I opened the door, I said, hey, Corey, Charlie's going to jump up and say hello. If you don't want him to do that, just tell him off. And he won't even come up. He said, I got a golden at home. I'd love for him to jump. So he came in, he jumped off, he jumped up. And then when he was done petting him, he just told him off. And then Charlie gets off. So that's a well-behaved dog, right? We had, we had, we had to work with Charlie though and train him to do that. It, it drives me a little nuts when I'm in the airport, when I'm on a plane specifically, or if I'm in a store or outside the store when people tie up their dogs outside the coffee shop or outside the grocery store, and that dog is wailing and screaming and crying, and the owner's inside with a shopping cart. I have to say, in some ways, and rather than have that dog yelling, screaming, and crying, I guess I'd rather have the dog be in the store than be left alone out. 
What are your feelings on service dogs and emotionally support animals? And the reason we're talking about this is because there, there's a court decision that's very, very important about a man's, uh, is it his emotional support chickens? Yeah, I think you'd be surprised <laughs> on this for me. I actually support this case. You do? Okay. For emotional support chickens. It's a mom with a severely handicapped son. And so the son, I don't, there's a, a list of disorders that this kid has. Uh, and this mom is a saint and she got a prescription for chickens for various reasons. We don't need to go into it, but like part of it is, is the sounds that chickens make. He, he lost his eyesight and like that's very soothing to him. Mm. So in this case, the town he's in doesn't allow chickens. Uh, they petitioned and got a bunch of experts and the doctor and everyone else and they won the right to keep their emotional support chickens. And the neighbors were like, okay, we, we love your son. The part that crosses over to me is two things. One that you've talked about people that go and buy a red vest for their dog online that is not actually a service animal uh, and they fake it. That really infuriates me because it now makes it harder for actual service dogs mm. because people have seen a bunch of fake service dogs. That's a good point. So if there's a there's a documentary and I can't remember the name of it where um it's incredible where they take a litter of of labradors and they are going to make them seeing eye dogs and you get to follow each dog it's a documentary mm. and I think only 2 of the 7 puppies graduate. Yep. And when you see what these dogs, that is a service animal. Mm. That dog will protect its owner from getting hit by a car. That dog, I mean, it's incredible the amount of things that that dog can do. That dog go anywhere it wants to go, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if this gentleman that we just talked about in this story, if I'm on an airplane and he's going to bring six chickens onto the plane uh, because it's, it's a support animal, I disagree with that. If you need to bring a seeing eye dog onto the plane, that is not a support animal. It is a support animal, but it's a trained service animal. I'm fine with that. Saying that I am have anxiety and therefore I need to bring my ostrich with me or my pet snake or my gecko or my show pony or whatever it is with me uh, everywhere I go, I, I'm, I don't agree with that. And so if you are debilitated so much that you cannot go into a public space without this animal, then I think you need to get an actual service animal and not just a support animal. That's just my take. I find it beyond annoying because they're not trained. It's just a pet that you're, you're getting emotional support from. Do you think I'm being too harsh there? No, I don't, I I don't think so. I, I like, I, I think sometimes though, if you have a dog that like like there there's a dog across the street. It's a great dog. It's a great Dane, and and when she leaves, I don't think she knows that the dog just barks incessantly the entire time. And then when she comes back, the dog's not barking because she's back, and I don't think she realizes it. So I was a little get off my lawn the other day, I think, but I was really thinking about the dog, not about being a jackass, but I was, I was, I was sitting out and the dog's name is Jack. And so my son and I like to sit out, our garden is still great this fall. So we'll sit out there uh, sometimes in the morning before he goes to school and chat a little bit or in the evening. And I was having a cup of coffee and we were chatting, putting our shoes on and, and, and the dog will go for hours. I, 
and she's when she comes back, she walks that dog. She, she's she's really great with the dog when she's home. But sometimes that dog is alone for for twelve hours and barking. It seems like for twelve hours. So I, I sent her a video. It since then it stopped. So I don't know what she did. Uh, I have neighbors on both sides of me that have dogs that would bite you. And I, I, I just, we had a dog that bit our basset hound and eventually Nola had to be, have a rehome because the dog kept coming under the fence. These are vets that own this dog and they would bring home these dogs that had been through a lot of trauma and the dog kept digging under the fence. And one day, uh, Nola, I, and Gunner was a baby are out in the yard and the, and the dog was either coming for Gunner or, or Nola. So I went and grabbed, uh, and they told me before, if the dog gets out, the dog will bite. So I grabbed Gunner. The dog ended up tearing into Nola. Uh, they're vets, so they came over and they nursed Nola back. It took almost a month to do that. But I was I was pretty angry about that. And and I finally just said, you know, and their, and their dog run is right here by my house. And since then, whenever they rent that house out, it seems like it's a really aggressive dog. Same thing happened the other day. She has a very aggressive dog next door. So I immediately go now and I knocked on her door and I said, hey, I just want to be a good neighbor. I want to show you where your dog's digging and you can see it. I said, if your dog got out, would your dog attack my dog? Would it attack my um, guest that stays in the ADU? Would your dog attack my son or attack me? She said, I don't know. Same with my neighbor on the other side. Similar dog. They're both shepherds. I got these dogs during COVID, and I asked them when they got this dog, I said, if your dog gets out, would your dog attack my dog or me or bite my son? And the answer is, I don't know. And so I had private conversations with with both of them about that, trying to come up with some kind of plan. But I, there's a lot of people that went out and got dogs during COVID, they got in way over their heads. Some of these dogs they got at the pound. Some of these dogs are very aggressive breeds. And 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 we don't know when you're picking up a dog how, how the dog has, has been raised. And sometimes it's received trauma from another human. And now you've inherited that. So I really think we have to think about in the, in the, in the places and spaces we're going to live, work, and play. You know, taking a dog and, and that, especially an aggressive or a big dog or a young dog, and then they're, they're going to sit in a house now that you're back to work for 12 hours a day. It's not fair. And I also think it's not fair just dropping them off at a pound. And I also don't think it's fair tying them up outside the store and they're crying and screaming and yelling for 40 minutes uh, while you're inside shopping. So, and I certainly don't want to hang out with that dog on the plane, <laughs> but I love dogs. I love dogs. I hate humans that aren't great to dogs. So anyway, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don show. We appreciate that. Thanks for letting us sometimes be your emotional support. Uh, a lot of you reached out and you say from time to time, if we meet you in a grocery store or uh, we see you at the gym or the coffee shop. Is that your chicken? <laughs> How much this show is meant to you. And, and we appreciate that. And that's the fun about our real estate business. When you we used to sit just in radio studios and never get out, we could never meet the Ron and Don nation. And I think all our clients this year have been part of the Ron and Don Nation. And a lot of times the client on the other side of the deal is part of the Ron and Don Nation too. So it's been our honor. Hey, if you need us as real estate agents, reach out. We'll sit down with you. Ronanddonsitdown.com. If you're thinking about doing a transaction in 2023 or even 2024, we should be talking about that now. And if you need help with financing, with creative financing, so you're not paying 8.5%, Mitch.loans, go to Mitch.loans right now, get in touch with him, get underwritten. And so when the time, when you're ready, the time to pounce, boom, 
you'll be ready to go. And he has a lot of programs right now where you don't have to pay eight and a half percent at the time of this, uh, when we recorded this in fall of 2023. Ron, real quick. Uh, yeah, our folks, uh, the folks at Les Schwab, the stores are open. They're selling tires, but they're also doing something else that's really important. Uh, they want to stamp out hunger this holiday season. Yeah, food drive is on, and it, it needs to get the food in by the 11th. So stop by your local grocery store, buy some non-perishable foods, and you can just drop them off or give them cash at your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Yeah, 84 locations to serve you. If you don't know where one is, just go to LesSchwab.com, or you can also go uh, to LesSchwab uh, forward slash Ron and Don. And uh, you can give a cash donation there. All right, for Ron, myself, Charlie the dog, my son's going to lock us out. And a big thanks to Paul, who is over in Ireland. He plays in a band, and he also helps produce this show. And we also have another new member of the Ron and Don show that's coming on. Uh, John Baker will be coming on as Ron and Don head to TV. How about that? In fact, I'm looking at the new cameras right now, and uh, Ron and I are pretty excited about bringing you Ron and Don TV uh, coming up here in a few short weeks. Uh, also, our thanks to Alex uh, for helping us on the social media side. If you don't have the newsletter, ronanddon.com, get signed up for that. In the meantime, you keep your head up, your shoulders back, and we'll listen to you next time. Yeah, it's the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thank <laughs> you.